Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. I am Jimmy Sabo and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. Make sure you download the Footy Live app today. Use it for all your news, scores, stats and of course podcasts. And please turn on those notifications. We're sending out good news every day. I've said this a lot, actually, probably every single show so far, but this time, this time, the words could not be any truer. Today, we have a huge podcast, the best one yet, and I think other than Richmond winning the flag in 2017, this is without a doubt the best day of my life. Oh, and if my girlfriend's listening, also other than the day I met her, but I'm interviewing Rex Hunt later in the show, and I still can't believe it. Uh, we've got Nick Guglielmino coming on for his famous Nick Off segment, uh, something I can believe because he's been texting me all day about it. Uh, we'll get through some tweets and emails, and I will ramble on about some hot topics from the weekend you can later abuse me about. So hashtag the gym session. Please get involved in the show. Um, Tell you what, I'm tipping an extra long show today because the interview with Rex might go a little bit longer than usual, so I'll chuck some timestamps in the description so you can skip ahead if you get sick of uh, what I'm saying. Um, Before we get to the round recap, I just want to quickly say I wrote my weekly column yesterday on the Footy Live app, and I jotted this down. I'll be quick because I know we all want to hear from Rex. Uh, They say a week is a long time in footy. But I reckon that's one hell of an understatement. You know, in the, in the space of seven days, a player can go from hero to villain, a club from contender to pretender, and a convincing culture can be completely crushed. Now, the media, what they do, they use one simple action, one quote or a result to shape the whole new storyline to suit the consumer. And why does this happen? We all know it boosts ratings, entices more clicks and produces more revenue. I'm not saying it's, Ill, it's always incorrect. I understand that, but I think we should think for ourselves sometimes. So is, is the Tigers culture actually bad? Is their reputation tarnished forever? Is John Worsfold actually a complete failure who doesn't care about the supporters? Is David Teague's attempt of trying to be a nice guy and being friends with his players completely wrong? I think you need to decide for yourself. And as Robert Green wrote in one of his many articles explaining the law of human nature, he wrote a book about it as well, but he's, he's put in a few articles explaining his theories. He writes, he writes uh, on the internet, it is easy to find studies that support both sides of an argument. You should never accept the validity of people's ideas because of supplied evidence. Examine the evidence yourself in the cold light of day. So, guys, while we've got time, especially if you're in Melbourne, a place, you know, makes Wolf Creek look like paradise. Uh, let's think for ourselves. Don't let the media always shape our opinions, I reckon. Uh, in saying that, if you still think Richmond's culture is cooked, that's fair enough too. Uh, let's get to a wonderful round recap and get into this show. I can't wait. Yes, Jimmy! Round 17 started on Thursday night where the Saints couldn't jack steal four points from the Eagles. He was fantastic with 26 possessions, but St. Kilda's inability to tag was a huge gaffe. West Coast by 15 points. It was a top-claw clash at Metricon Stadium between the Tigers and Cats, where it felt like Grimes against humanity. Dylan took opposition forwards hostage, Jack was a ripper, and Geelong left dusting themselves off after a 26-point loss. North head further south with another sinking from the Dockers. Blake had acres of space and picked up 24 disposals, while Monday on a Saturday turned back time. Hogan was a hero with four goals, while Schultz played a starring role. Frio by 64. Johnny's making things worse fold, as his post-match comments had no merit. He didn't speak much about the other players either, who were shocked by the power. The game was a rock cliff concert for the fans, while fine wines gets better with age, and Houston didn't have a problem picking up 18 marks and 17 disposals. Port by 10 goals. GWS were missing their crucial cogs on Saturday night and had a giant malfunction. 
Goodwin had a great win, meaning the team still has a chance to face their mental demons in finals. Max and his men aren't gone yet. Melbourne by five points. It was Bryce as much love for Gibbs as he bowed out from the game in a huge performance involving his two clubs. Carlton had the Blues as Lachlan shoaled their chance to finals. Adelaide down the law to grab their third win on the trot. 16 points, the final margin. Jack was Gunston barrel straight for the Hawks, but it didn't matter for the Dogs as their ball movement was much McLeaner. JJ was more popular than Tay-Tay and a cool beverage was enjoyed by all. Dogs by 36. Shooting from the hip would prove more effective this week as Daniel proved being rich does make you happy. He had 23 touches and 3 score involvements while the Swans were left waiting for the bell. Would be lying if we said a 6 goal win wasn't expected. And finally the Pies shut out the Suns in a night game at the Gabba. Braden Maynard have meant it but the kick-ins he took Millard left him blushing. Luckily for him the other disposals were mostly crisp and the Pies showed off their big cocks. Collingwood at the going into finals full of flight. The winning margin was 22 points. Yes, Jimmy! He comes in on the right half board, flank of the fish, mark it in from 50, puts a nice way. Yeah, West Coast. Down you, mate. 11, count Bloody 7, Alright, if there was ever a guest who needed no introduction, this would be it, but I'm giving him one anyway. This man is without a doubt the most entertaining broadcaster the game of Australian rules football has ever seen. He played over 200 games with Richmond, Geelong and St Kilda, winning two premierships for the Mighty Tigers in 69 and 73. As one of the biggest names in Australian media, he entertained us all with his fascinating fishing shows, sensational sports programs and top class commentary. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rex Hunt and you're not. Welcome Rexy. You're talking about me. Yep, the one and only. Well, I know that because a bloke down the beach this morning said, did you used to be Rex Hunt? <laughs> and uh, I thought I'm in all, all sorts of trouble. Now, the one thing that I'm disappointed in my 72nd year on the planet mm-hmm. is that I, I, I find it hard to retain people's name. What's your name? Jimmy. <laughs> Never heard of you. Get on with it. <laughs> all right, thanks for coming on, mate. Firstly, I wanted to ask you because I do care how you, how you are. How's the hip? Rexy. Now, the hip's magnificent. The mind's getting better. And, and, and during this particular podcast, there'll be things that people think I'm lighthearted, but also the smarties will know that I'm being very, very serious. I was heading for a one-way ticket to the Tobin Brothers because of pain. Uh, five years ago, I had my back operated on and uh, they fused uh, the four and five vertebrae. Two years ago, I had my neck operated on after a after I got hooked on opoids, which your listeners would realise are serious painkillers almost to the amphetamine stage. Mm-hmm. And nine weeks ago, I had my hip replaced uh, and part of my fever, uh, femur heading down to my knee. And uh, finally, they found out what was wrong with me. And uh, I'm pain-free. Good. Uh, but my mind's better. I, I haven't had an aspirin for six weeks. That's the good news, Jimmy. I'm glad to hear that your hip's well. And yeah. Um, just this morning, actually, I was listening to some of your, your brilliant commentary, um, your work from back in the day, and it took me back to the car rides with my dad, um, listening to you on the on the way home, taking the long way home just to hear you call the game. It's funny how you, really? you hear things and you eat things or you watch things and it takes you back to your childhood. Is there something that takes you back to your, your, your days growing up as a lad in Mentone? No doubt. Um, 
you know, it started off very uh, slowly for me in my birth, and then it completely slackened off because when I was born, they slapped my mother. <laughs> the problem is, is then I was uh, born with an inferiority complex, and people say, oh, full dust. But I can tell you now, I had a brother who was a star in cricket and football, a brother who was a star as a ducks at Morty Alec High School, and I was a little kid with a runny nose running around trying to get a few crumbs. Mm. But I had what he didn't have. I had passion. I had absolute love for the sport of cricket and footy, and I dreamed that one day I would play footy. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't what you think, because I knew that I would never be good enough to go to university and get a uh, piece of paper that gave me the qualifications to be a radio announcer. Uh, it was the fact that I believed that if I played league football, then I could be like Jack Dyer or Ted Whitten, uh, certainly not in their playing days, but in the broadcasting days. Mm -hmm. And uh, I used to listen to Jack Dyer and Ian Major. And, and Jack, you know, came up with great sayings like, it's no good being where the ball ain't and, uh, you know, it's bigger than the black hole of Dakota and all that sort of stuff. But what he had was 300 games and two premierships for Richmond. Well... I didn't quite get there. I got 200 games with three clubs and two premierships. And the thing about it is I met a guy called Harry Beitzel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I'd love to give it a go. And he said, when you retire, son, uh, give us a call and uh, you, we'll have a talk to you at 3AW and the rest is history. My first broadcast on fishing in 1976, which is a long, long time. Uh, Jimmy, how long has 1976 ago? My maths is shocking. It's a long time ago. So what happens is that Keith McGowan, who was a legend of the radio industry, used to work for a crowd called 3MP, Bay City Radio. Mm -hmm. And I was a copper at the time, and uh, I was being shot at and going to car accidents and uh, booking people, and, and everything I did involved people's misfortune. And I got sick of it, and uh, I just started to write for fishing magazines and sell a bit of fishing tackle on the side out of my garage. Keith McGowan asked me to come on during the summer on his uh, radio program in the morning. And then he was number one, and the number two in uh, Australia was a 3UZ called Bert Newton, who's an absolute star. And that was the first time I was on live radio, and I just loved it. Yeah. And uh, 28 years of age, I'd kicked three goals against Carlton, who went on to win the flag in 1978. I just thought, will I make a fool of myself and get told to leave, or just will I give it away at 29 years of age? And I did. Uh, and I went to 3OW, and uh, I suppose, as they say in show business, the rest is history. The rest is history. Just before the, the broadcast, though, I just wanted to ask you about those two premierships. So how was that for you personally, 69 and 73? Are they still the, the biggest highlights you look back on? No doubt, because yeah. I look at the premiership medallions this morning yeah. when I get back from my walk and go up and check my email. Mm. And I just tell you what people have got to look forward to when they're 71 like I am here, Jimmy, is that I wonder how many people out there listening can say when they send an email, they send it to themselves. And I've been doing that for 10 years, mate, and I've got no idea, so I had to ring my daughter or my granddaughter. But up there, I'm overlooking the bay and just say, what a beautiful day. I wish I could go out fishing, but Mr Andrews says I can't. Mm. The thing about it is I look at those two premiership medallions, and then I look at my house, and I just think, well, there's a house is what it's all about because it's a home. But those premiership medallions, save for three years ago, when we hadn't won a flag since 1980. <laughs> That's right. They were just absolutely priceless. But now the group at the Richmond Football Club have got in their minds that um, they're only going to pass by Punt Road once. So make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm fortunate, uh, you know, people say, oh, who do you bury for? Of course, it's Richmond. Yep. And, and the thing about it is it's where I got my start. So 69, 
I kicked 55 goals for the year. I lost my form and got injured towards the finals. Got back, couldn't get back. Was 19th man, uh, but did all right. But 55 goals for the year, I'm very, very happy. And Royce Hart kicked 50, so nothing's changed today. If you've got two blokes kicking 50 goals each, you're almost in the grand final. That's right. And uh, 73 was was another a totally different uh, type, of, you know, kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. But in 72. I was talking to Royce Hart the other day across the Bass Strait, and uh, he reminded me that uh, who else in the history of the game has kicked 22 goals and got done in the grand final? Well, no one. Mm. We kicked 22 goals on that day against Carlton, making 28 9. And it was one of those days that you just couldn't you just couldn't do anything. You know, the, uh, Walls, uh, Robert Walls was telling me the other night that you know, even when he was absolutely you know spent with no uh, energy left, the ball would just drop into his arms. Mm. And I played on Robert for a while, and I, I played down forward and kicked a goal, you know, in the second, second quarter trying to get us going. But then in 1973, there was no one who could beat the Richmond Football Club. And I'll tell you why, Jimmy and your listeners. Yeah. It's because we made a pact that after the grand final in 1972, we were so disappointed and distraught that we made a pact, the, the 36 blokes on the list, that we would not rest until we got that premiership back. And history shows we've got it back in spades in 1973. I played on a bloke called John Nichols and was fortunate enough to keep him to one goal. So it just goes to show that, that, that uh, you know, a team of men all with the one uh, vision, the one mm. direction can always beat any champion. Yep. Bloody oath. And, well, Richmond, you're obviously a champion there. and you. Um... No, I wasn't. I was a good ordinary player. We had five or six champions. One of them was Kevin Sheedy. The other one was Kevin Bartlett. The other one was Royce Hart. Then you look at Francis Burke. They are all in terms of the head century. Mm-hmm. Blokes like myself and Graham Bond and Graham Berg and the rest of these guys that have dual premierships are, we're good ordinary players and we just make up the puzzle. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. But I also can see to you, I'm pretty good at fishing. Yep. <laughs> I think we could all agree on that. Uh, was your best footy at St Kilda, Rexy? No. no, no. my best football was uh, at Geelong. Geelong. When I was a career policeman. I swapped for Gareth Andrews halfway through the season and ran fifth in the Brownlow medal with uh, equal fifth was Lee Matthews and, uh, and Francis Burke. There's no doubt about the 15 games I played with Geelong mm. in 1974 uh, were the best, the best years of my life. Did okay at St Kilda. Had a year, kicked 50 goals. Had another year where I was run out to Trevor Barker and the best in Paris, but. That one year at Geelong, mm-hmm. uh, 1974, uh, when I went down there to further my career in the police department, uh, which turned out to be not a waste of time, but it turned out I didn't need that uh, uh, those qualifications. But there's no doubt about it. When I was vice captain to Sam Newman in 1974, uh, that we we were just a, a lethal combination. I was at centre half forward. A bloke by the name of Michael Turner, who's just retired from the Geelong Falcons, one of the best. Uh, the best uh, recognition ex- recognition ex- experts of, of young talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was playing on the wing where his father forged a great career at Geelong and he would put the ball out, out in front of me. And I can remember one uh, one year, which was 74, uh, at North Melbourne when North Melbourne were going to play in the grand final against Richmond in the last or second last game. Uh, we, we murdered him and we were nearly on the bottom of the ladder and uh, Michael... Turner just put the ball out in front of me and Malcolm Blight just couldn't get anywhere near me and it's the only the only way is to, to put the ball out in front of someone 
And the other thing I can tell you and your listeners is don't take your space before the ball arrives. Mm-hmm. And I see so many blokes doing it now. This chip, 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 chip business, you can still kick it along, but but leave a space. Get out of the space and let someone run in it. When the ball and you arrive at the same time, it's a legal combination. Mm-hmm. Rex, you, meant, you, you mentioned you're a policeman during your playing time. Do you, do you think if you're if you're a full time footballer now, do you think you would have preferred that, or did you like the way footy was played back then when they had uh, jobs as well as playing footy? We'll be back after a quick break. It's neither right nor wrong, Jimmy. Mm. And my opinion is, I think we're we're in a bit of trouble with blokes getting eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and they can't fill out an application for a fishing license because the manager's got to do this and the manager's got to do that, and you've got to take the uh, you know uh, pay the girl to make the bed or pay the bloke to take your your, your clothes to the dry cleaner. Um, I just don't know about twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, uh, full time footballers. The money is fantastic. But as I said to a group of people before the COVID locked us down at a school, I said, once the last tree is felled, um, the the ocean netted all the fish and uh, there was something else in there, you realise you can't eat money. Mm. And I uh, I just look back and just say, in the 69 premiership, uh, I got $20 plus a bonus. Uh, the bonus was five bucks, so twenty-five bucks for the for winning the flag on that day. And in '73, my second premiership, I got thirty-five dollars uh, plus seven dollars from the coterie, so I got forty-two bucks. And uh, so, so that you know, it's all it's all relative. But yeah. now I, I worry about full-time sports people. And uh, the AFL have done a great job of keeping the game alive, like the NRL and, and the thoroughbred racing. But uh, I just think. Uh, I think it's nice to have an apprenticeship or do a course in accounting or something like that, but mm-hmm. that's just my opinion, which is neither right nor wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Your fishing shows across, uh, obviously, were broadcast across the world. Uh, Rexy, you're a very famous man. Where, where was the strangest place you were recognised? I think I've heard a few stories where you recognised overseas in Europe. Was it? Yeah, um, walking down the main street of Prague, which <laughs> is the capital of the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And I'd been there just uh, to launch uh, my television program through Sky Channel over there. Yeah. And this was uh, early 2000s. And uh, I was walking through the, the, the city square and a young uh, a young kid came racing up with me and he, he'd come away from his mother and father. He said, are you Rex Hunt? I said, Pardon? He said, my dad said that you're Rex Hunt. I said, which is your dad? He pointed, I said, I'll give the thumbs up to the bloke. He said, so you used to be Rex Hunt. And I just thought, Jesus, how good is that? So that's, uh, you know, uh, 
20,000 kilometres. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the next year we, we went to England to launch the Rex Hunt Fan Club in Pall Mall or Paul Mall or wherever it is, just mm. near Buckingham Palace and it's near uh, Harrods. And uh, I sent him a message, we're having an afternoon off because we'd caught some beautiful carp in the Thames and, and did a, a lovely show uh, with, uh, I think it was Surrey and Botham. It was with Surrey and mm. Botham. And uh, we, uh, we were walking across the Zebra Crossing uh, in uh, Oxford Street, I think it is. You know, your listeners know where it is with mm. with, uh, with Harrods. And um, I said to my missus, what do you want to show? I'd like to have the famous morning tea at Harrods. I went in there and uh, the, morning, uh, the morning tea consisted of half a dozen... Uh, Belgium, uh, Belgium, uh, might have been Denmark oysters mm-hmm. grown in, in aquaculture. I had a piece of shortbread, and my missus finished it off with a lovely jam and scone, and she had a cup of English breakfast tea, and I had a, a, a very weak white cappuccino. Mm-hmm. And I got a bill for 127 pounds, uh, which in today's currency is about 250 bucks. Bloody hell. And I tell you what, I just thought, Geez, I hope this, uh, this, so, so we're walking out again across the, the London Bobby is directing traffic across the uh, Zebra Crossing. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yabba dabba do gov. <laughs> I said, it's yibbity yibbity, you idiot. <laughs> and I just uh, looked at me missus and she's just shaking her head saying, we are 22,000 kilometres from uh, our home in metropolitan Melbourne and they recognised you. <laughs> and, and then I'd just like to pick you up for one. I, I, I question the word famous. Yeah. And I try to teach kids, you're not famous, you're just well known. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing special about me. All I did was at 28 years of age after being shot at in the police force, after being uh, a witness to a horrific uh, a suicide and, and the smell of burning flesh when the car hit the tram, I went home and I never went back because I didn't want to deal with people's misfortunes. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? And I want people to listen to this. What do I love? What's my passion in life besides my my family? It is fishing and football, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you just, when you work at something that's your passion, it's not work. You're on on, on call 24 hours a day. Something you were well known for was also your your unique style of commentary. The nicknames Yablet, the Cranium, McGough Whitlam, Richo Man. Not a wellman. How, how did you develop that unique style of commentating? You said you, you listened to Jack Dyer um, back in the day, but when you were younger as well, did you develop that kind of unique style? Did you want to bring something to the game that was unique? Uh, the, answer, the answer to that is don't know. No. It just, just unfolded. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what evolved means? Yeah. <laughs> it evolved, young man. Yeah. Um, I knew when I took over from Harry Bitesell at 3AW in 1989, Harry had had 21 years. And I said, the only way I'm going to survive more than three or four years and threaten Harry's record, which I broke uh, in, in the year 2000, um, the only way that I'm going to threaten his record is that I'm unique mm-hmm. and I back myself with my style and not be a puppet or a mimicker of Jack Dyer or Harry Beitzel. Mm-hmm. And when I first came on, the people, they just couldn't believe it. They just said, who is this idiot? And then we broke all types of records Um in the radio ratings when, when, when there was no internet, no mobile phones. And uh, it, it, it just, just evolved along with the cranium and, and, and Yablet and uh, the golf ball was Earl Spalding mm. and uh, 
my, you know, my goodness me, they, they just came to me. And yeah. uh, I never, ever prepared for anything. It's just absolutely what I do and what I do now on late night radio. And uh, the thing about it is some people will like it, some people won't. But if they don't like it, there's a button on most devices, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. that you can actually press that says off. Yeah. And uh, if, if, you, if, if you do that, uh, you can actually just get rid of me. And it's not F off, it, but but that's what it means. It uh, you press that button, and I'll F off. If you like it, well, stay tuned. Uh, expect to be entertained, and more importantly, I can't guarantee the first time you'll listen to me that I'll offend you, but I'll like, guarantee that I'll eventually, <laughs> one day, get to you and offend you. Yeah. Um, are we still on air? We still are. We still are. It's not just a warm up, is it? <laughs> The, uh, the fat lady Rex. The fat. So you said most of it was off the cuff. Can you explain the story of the fat lady and when that first came yeah, out? Can. Yeah. Um, so Collingwood Essendon. Hmm. It may well have been uh, a second or third, but they were all magnificent uh, contests. And Ron Barassi and, and John William Noel Newman, Acker, Sam Newman were the special comments men, and, and Ron Barassi just special comments. You want to talk about special comments? Uh, Graham Bond on the stats and Shane Healy calling with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ball went down on the left half forward flank and Peter Moore's got it and half passed it over the top to Dacos. Here comes Mullane and Ron Mullane's kicked the goal and I think it's over. And Ron Barassi said, well, don't be a smart ass Rex because it's not over till the fat lady sings. And I said, well, Ron, this is for you. <laughs> Jack, 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 that's great. There's not, there's, n- there's not much character-based or extravagant commentary these days, which I think is a shame. Do you reckon there's still room for it in modern broadcasting, or or do you think it's no, changed? No, it's I, changed? No, I don't, because people get offended about everything. Mm. You know, if, if they tune in, um, if they tune in, you, you, you know, people will find fault with everybody. Yeah. But I can tell you, Jimmy, once people find fault with you, they're listening to you or looking at you, and the other thing is, when you totally alienate them or totally eradicate them from your mind, you have found the greatest gift of all, and that's not mattering a rat's toss what people think or say about you. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've made an absolute fortune out of what people think about me. But the thing about it is, what really, really, really gets up their goat and gives them an itchy backside is the fact that I've just signed another two-year deal with 3AW at 71 years of age. Yes. And uh, and that's it. And uh, when uh, when the fat lady sings for me, mate, it'll be over. And uh, the Tobins uh, probably uh, will come and uh, and pick me up straight away from 3AW and take me out to the funeral home. And uh, I, I deserve a nice discount from James Tobin because I made him famous by calling 3LA the Tobins, which was... Mm-hmm. Peter Booth and Tim Lane, and uh, the ironic thing now is Tim Lane is the chief football caller of the Three AW. And goodness gracious me, that I would have wanted probably in betting parlance about mm. five thousand to one for that happen. <laughs> yeah.
Why is that? Why? Because Tim was prim and proper at the ABC, mm-hmm. and now he's understood that his his longevity would uh, actually relies on entertaining people, and he's a very entertaining caller. But I can we keep something to ourselves, uh, yeah. Jimmy? Yeah, we can. We can. I don't want this to get back to Tim Lane. It won't. No. I would think that together with Shane McGuinness at 3AW and Bruce Eva, that he's probably the best caller going around. And if he rings you and says, can I get a copy of that and say, no, we've, we've erased it. Can you do me a deal on that? I'll do that. No worries, mate. Deal. Uh, so the Tobin Brothers uh, uh, sponsor my late-night program and uh, – they uh, are absolutely fantastic. But on a serious note, before you ask me the next question, or you might want to give me the flick. No way. A I serious note yep. is that James Tobin, I call him James Tobin, James McLeod, the managing director of the Tobins, during this absolute horrible times worldwide in the pandemic, the amount of young people, and, and, and not that old people don't matter, but the amount of young people between 20 and 40 years of age that end up in his funeral home through taking their own life is absolute crying shame. And I say to people out there, why would I be qualified to talk about that? Well, I can tell you I've been there. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked on painkillers. And I ended up for 14 days, 14 days in, in a high-security psychiatric unit at Tarogan. And... Uh, I, I, I had my neck done, I had my back done, and eight weeks ago I had my, my hip done, and it took away every bit of pain that I've got, um, save for a little ache, uh, you know, that I've got below the knee. And uh, I shudder to think on that cold September morning two years ago when I drove down to the the San Remo area, and uh, and the coppers arrested me and wrapped me in a straitjacket, and I was. Uh, all but gone, all but cooked. And I can tell you, I didn't have the guts to go through with it. Mm. So don't anyone out there say, oh, they're gutless and that sort of thing. I tell you what, it takes a lot of guts to, to, to end it. And and if, if you see someone who's struggling, just talk to them. All you need is recognition. It's a bit heavy, Jimmy, mm. but I reckon the only reason I'm doing this, or I know the only reason I'm doing this, is when someone in the high profile that I had has been there and someone out there listening who is, uh, they might tune into this podcast now at three in the morning and they might just start thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do and, uh, and and how I'm going to do it, is that it's not over till it's over. And as Ron said, till the fat lady sings, uh, life is precious. But I tell you now, you, uh, you find out who your friends are. And uh, you find out you've got a lot of acquaintances, particularly around finals time when they look at the tickets. Uh, but why I talk so openly about it is not to receive any publicity, is not to receive any accolades and uh, or poor me or that sort of thing. It's to give hope uh, to somebody who might be in the dark place that I've been in, might be in the deep hole that I was in and might not be able to get out without a bit of a help from my friend. Mm-hmm. And 
I think Joe Cocker sang about that, didn't he? He did sing that. And I appreciate you, you opening up and talking about that, Rex, because you have inspired a lot of people. And that's what people said to me when I told them I was interviewing you. They said he's been very inspirational, especially over the last couple of years when we've been open about your struggles. So I think that's great, and I, I appreciate you going into that. Everyone's had hard times, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we've lost two very close uh, members of our family on the inside to taking their own life. Mm. And I just want, don't want people to go through what we yeah. went through. Uh, and, it's, it, and you never get over it. Okay. Every day it's with you. Mm-hmm. You know, every day, um, you know, a white ute with a tradie going to Bunnings when it's open, I think of Stephen. Uh, every night that something comes on the television uh, and, and there's a young disc jockey there at one of the nightclubs and he's playing all the music for the for the boys and girls all dressed up and having a fantastic time like we all do at discos and I think of Aaron mm-hmm. and it never goes away. But I, uh, the the quote that I gave you earlier on, I had to really put it up in front of my uh, office and when I walk upstairs to have a shower, once you reach the stage in your life where you don't give a rat's toss about what people say or think about you, you have reached the pinnacle of life that very, 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 very few people enjoy. And I hope that came out all right. Yep. I love that, Rexy. If you start thinking about what people think about you, what people say about you, you might as well just wind it up now and sit in the sun mm-hmm. uh, because you're just wasting your time. Uh, along the way, you'll get setbacks and it's not how you celebrate victory. Here's another one for you. It's not how you celebrate victory. It's how you come back after being knocked down. Mm. And uh, uh, I think it was Muhammad Ali who said, get knocked down nine times, but get up ten. Mm-hmm. How, you, how are we going? We're still on air? We're still going well, Rexy. I've got a couple right. more for you, mate. Uh, I'm going to mention, I'm going to throw a name at you and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Can we do that? Well, uh Yes, because I've just uh, been in touch with my solicitors and uh, if, if anyone sues me, um, all they'll get is uh, an old rusty crane that is sitting over the top of my pond so they can't get my house. Go ahead. All right. Ron Barassi. Inspirational. Centric. Yep. An absolute dynamo on and off the football field. One of the most loyal human beings you would ever come across in a month of Sundays. Brilliant. Sam Newman. Misunderstood because he's made millions out of being misunderstood. Sam is like me, a tadpole short of a swamp. But when the shit hits the fan, Sam will be there. With John William Noel Newman, there are no conditions in his friendship code of rules. Robert Walls. A delightful man who after the 1972 grand final wished that I uh, I wished that he would have diarrhea for a month <laughs> because although I kicked although I kicked him to seven kicks he kicked six goals one. <laughs> then he came to 3AW in the late 90s and worked with me after Sam Newman went to Triple M and the footy show. Even as late as last night, Robert Walls rang Lynn and I to see how we uh, we were. Mm. 
And when this COVID business is over, we're going up to Dalesford and uh, sitting by the lake and having a low-calorie donut and a cup of coffee. Robert Walls, um, a man, if you had to go to war, you wouldn't mind him taking the pins out of your grenades. (laughs) Love it. All right, two more. Uh, Anthony Hudson. A man of 46 years of age who is the opposite to Brad Pitt in the film where Brad Pitt started old and went young. I think Anthony Hudson's actually got that disease. When he was 23 and he worked with me at 3AW before he went to to SEN, FG, and he went to Channel 10, he was 23. I saw him on the television the other night and Anthony looks 19. (laughs) So whatever he's taking, can you organise a kilo as my beef for today, young man? I will. I'll try and do that, mate. A delightful young man, and I enjoy I enjoy listening to his commentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, a very very nice man. And I I think I think he thinks I'm different. But uh, uh, Jimmy, I hope Anthony doesn't take this the wrong way. And if he does, well, stiff bananas. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you're a star, and I love you. Last one, mate. Clinton Gribus. Brings tears to my eyes and a flutter of what hair I've got on the back of my neck stands up. Mm-hmm. For two reasons. Struck down in the prime of his life, uh, in love with Loretta, planning a marriage, Foxtel, number one at 3AW with me. I can still go back to early February uh, I don't know what year it was, but anyhow, I got a phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning. I was getting ready to go to the Sandown races, and Lynn was upstairs, and Rachel was doing her hair, and it was one of the two-year-old classics uh, leading up to the Blue Diamond at Caulfield the next month. And the phone rang, and it was Graham Mopp, the general manager of 3AW, and he said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, Rex, I'm at Clinton Gribus' uh, uh, apartment next door to Foxtel, and the Tobin brothers are here and they've just removed Clinton's body. Well, I screamed. Mm. And Rachel came running down the stairs and said, what's up? And I said, Graham, I'll ring you back. And Lynn came down and uh, I, I, I've i never recovered from it mm. because I, uh, I've i got that big question, why? People say, oh, i got cancer. Why me? Well, things happen. Just but the early signs of cancer, just just a little sore or a little pain, go and see about it. Mm-hmm. But there was no warning. And why Clinton? Because that's life. Um, I think the coroner's court has still got a jury out uh, uh, result. They don't know what he died of. They, they speculate sleepwalking and hit his head, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, on that particular day, the driver's family... Uh, lost a delightful young man and the football and sporting community. And he was at, he was at, at, at his best on air uh, uh, broadcasting football. He was at his best broadcasting a 100-metre sprint at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games. Mm. And he was at his best broadcasting title fights on Foxtel. But he was also at his best when I got into some trouble and people know exactly what I'm talking about. He said, he just ring me at 11 o'clock at night and just say, how are you, big fella? Just stick in there. Yeah. You know, the, the storm is, uh, is going to be pretty heavy, but, but eventually you'll wake up one morning and uh, the sea was calm and uh, 
And you know what I call that wind in the last couple of days and rains? I woke up this morning before I got the dog and headed down the beach, uh, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the sea was calm. So there you are. I don't know whether anybody will get anything out of this, but it played one or two times. So there's a few lessons there. Rexy, what I normally do with my guests is I end off with uh, 10 quick-fire questions, so very quick answers, so we get a little bit about you, all right? No, I can't do that, but just make it 11, will you? All right, 11. Can Here you we... make it 11? I'll make it 11, all well, right. Well, it's in, it's in the contract. If you read the... If you read my contract, it's just got no 10 questions. Everyone it has to be 11. I need 11. Yeah, that's right, true. Just rack your brain now, Jimmy, about the 11. I will do. All right, your favourite food? Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's tonight. It's a fillet steak with an egg on top with beans and uh, mashed potatoes. Okay, good. What would you prefer, Saturday watching Sandringham or a Saturday fishing? Because I know you uh, love both. Fishing. Absolutely. A lot of people ask me that, young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you prefer, fishing or football? Why would you want to go and watch watch football when you could go out here in Port Phillip Bay and catch a lovely sand flathead, mm-hmm. a lovely long-nosed flathead, a beautiful garfish, a snapper, or preferably a Chinese fish, a white ting? <laughs> Your favourite player of all time? Uh, a lot of people would say that I'd probably say Gary Ablett on the radio. Mm. But my favourite player of all time, I played with him in 1971. Uh, There's a bloke called Ian Stewart who won two Brownlow medals at uh, Moravon. He won a Brownlow medal in 1971 when he wasn't well and he wasn't fit. And 1971 was the best year I'd ever had at Richmond in the seven years I was there. I was runner-up to the best and fairest and he beat me by 100 votes. So Ian Stewart, I believe... He's the best player I've played with and I've seen. Mm-hmm. Your favourite quote, and you've got a few, but which one's your favourite, do you reckon? I reckon there's two. If I Can I have two? Yeah, you can have two. I'll give you two. One, one my father said to me when I was 10 years of age and I woke up Christmas morning, 1959, and usually on the end of the bed there was a, not a stocking, but a pillow slip. had some licorice all sorts in it, a uh, pair of socks, pair of underpants, on this particular morning at first light, as the sun broke through uh, the half-open curtain, I, I, I got straight to the end of the bed on Christmas morning and there was Jack, Jack Shizen there. Mm-hmm. And I raced into my old man who uh, was just getting out of bed to uh, tie up a, uh, a pair of grossly uh, tomato plants that had gone skew whip on one of the stakes. I said, Dad, I said, Father Christmas didn't come. You didn't call him Santa. Mm-hmm. Father Christmas, he said, son, he said, I want you to remember this till the day you die. He said, blessed is he who expecteth nothing, for he is really disappointed. And if you if you just break that down, it's if you expect nothing and you get jack size and dimmy, mm. how can you be disappointed? That's right. But if you expect the world and get Mud Island, well, then you can be disappointed. Again. The other one came from Pearl Harbor. Theodore Roosevelt said to his Congress, after the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor. And my old man was in the Second World War and he was at Fanny Bay um, when it was bombed by the Japs. And uh, fortunately, you know, they didn't go on with it. It's amazing that my old man was at Fanny Bay, but I'll leave that to go through the keeper. But anyhow, um, Theodore Roosevelt, they were going to boot him out. They said, no, you can't go and bomb uh, uh, Japan. And uh, we said, we must retaliate and retaliate quickly. 
And Ron Brassie taught me that. The only uh, time I played for Victoria in 1970-something, and he just said, you, you get one, you get one back quick away. And he stood up mm. and he said this when he said, you might dismiss me. You might just think that my ideas are too far forward for you people sitting in your cushioned chairs. But let me make one thing clear in case there is any confusion from any point of this office. Ah, better it is to dare mighty and impossible things, even checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor souls that neither know victory nor defeat. Theirs is the grey twilight known as mediocrity. Have a go and damn the consequences. Now, what do you think about that? I love it. I just made it up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you've, you've, what are we up to? Number four? Five. Your favourite movie, Rex? Shawshank Redemption. Cool. Are you a morning or night person? Night. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Yeah, beach Road Bay, Morris, overlooking the bay. Mm, good. Well, it'll be somewhere oh, new sorry. for me to, to, to live because I've only lived here for 50 years. <laughs> Who will win the 2020 grand final? If Richmond are fair dinkum, mm. if Tigers are fair dinkum, it's theirs for the taking. But we know, just like us in 72, that on the day, you can get an upset. Mm. If Richmond are not 100% right, either Brisbane or Geelong will wipe the floor with them. Mm-hmm. The side that I'm really confused about, and I don't know whether they're ready, is Port Adelaide. Mm. I would think that Port Adelaide will, will finish on top, and, and the thing about it is is that then they will get a home final. Then they'll get a week off. Then they play in a preliminary final, and then in a fortnight's time, they will go to South Queensland in Brisbane and play off in the grand final. All points to Port Adelaide. Mm. But what Richmond have got on their side, young man, is experience. Because there's a quote again. I shall pass by this way but once. Any good I can show to anybody, let me show it now, for I shall not pass this way again. And I say to the group at Richmond, from the club doctor to the raffle ticket seller, down to Jack Reeves, down to Dusty, down to Cochin. You are at Pump Road. This is a window, a window of opportunity. You'll never get this group of people again on the field. Make it, make it happen. Mm-hmm. When I go to the MCG, and we won't be this year, when I go to the MCG on the Wednesday before the grand final, and we sit there, all of us premiership players, all life members of the Richmond Football Club, 50 years down the track, I tell you what, it's the second best thing a man can enjoy uh, standing up. The what? first thing that man can enjoy standing up? <laughs> What's that? Uh, catching a King George Whiting, you dirty bastard. <laughs> All right, two more. We're on a roll here. If you're in charge... Uh, how, how many have we done? We've done eight. No, oh, so three more. Three more, three more. My apologies. If you're in charge of putting together the best ever AFL broadcast team, who would be in it? Who's your dream team? The dream team would be number one caller, me. Mm-hmm. Number two caller, me. <laughs> special comments, me. Yep. Assistant special comments, me. Mm. 
And the stats, Bondi. <laughs> because Bondi used to get my party pies at half time. Now, ask me that question again. If you're in charge of putting together the best AFL broadcast team, who would be in it? You're talking about radio. Radio. Radio, correct. Number one caller and coordinator to make the whole machine run smoothly with not too much lubrication or oil. Number one caller, me. Mm -hmm. Number two caller, Clinton Gritus. Mm -hmm. Special comments number one, John William Noel Newman. Special comments number two, Robert Cyril Farquhar Walls. (laughs) Stats, Graham Bond. And serving the afternoon tea at halftime, Jennifer Hawkins. That, if we ever put together that uh, that commentary team, mate, uh, uh, what chance do you reckon uh, that we've got from Jennifer just popping onto a private jet and coming down and serving the big fella a party pie? I reckon you've got a good chance, a very good chance if the Dream Team gets together. I reckon you've got about as much chance as Ivan Malat had of being in charge of the Cubs. Uh, what's your greatest accomplishment, Rexy? Um, surviving the last five years. Yep, that's because fair. I was too pig-headed to cry for help when I when the pain was just excruciating. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I can say to inspire people out there is that. Herbert Vincent Butler was my headmaster at Mordialli High School when I spent the best three years of my life. You know the best three years of my life when they were, Jimmy? When's that? Year nine. Mm-hmm. I spent three years there, and last year I liked the school that much I bought it. Yeah. And uh, Herbert Butler, who played 37 games for Carlton, he's a terrific bloke, and he believed in me. And he called me into his office and said, what do you want to do with yourself, hon? I said, I want to be a fisherman and a footballer, sir and preferably a football broadcast. He said, well, as long as your backside points to the ground, uh, you'll never make a living out of fishing and you'll never make a, a living out of football broadcasting because you're not good enough and you just got to admit it. You've got to get a, an apprenticeship, uh, be a chippy or a plumber or something like that. My greatest accomplishment is proving people like that that I had it in me despite the fact that they didn't. And, and the secret to life is belief. Belief in yourself, self-belief. And once you combine that with the greatest, the second greatest thing known to man and womankind, it's self-confidence in that you can do anything. Mm-hmm. But Muhammad Ali said it all. You knock down nine times, but you get up ten. And you're always in front. And... Uh, People can Google me and carry on. You'll see a couple of times there where people said, ah, we've got him. And it got back to me a few years ago that uh, the editor of, uh, of a major newspaper here in Melbourne was heard to say over a cup of tea, you can't kill this bastard with a sledgehammer. And uh, it gets back to Roosevelt. You know, dare mighty and impossible things, even check, check it by failure. Don't take rank with those poor souls that neither suffer nor enjoy much. Theirs is the great twilight known as mediocrity. Have a go and damn the consequences. The biggest thing I can say to old people, middle-aged people and young people, have a go. Mm. Get knocked down nine. Get up ten. 
And I tell you what, I'll just repeat uh, before you come with question number 11. Now, I've got a question for you after 11. Can I ask it? Yeah, for sure. The other thing is, is, is don't, don't underestimate when you finally rid yourself of worrying what people think and say about you because once you do that, you have found what life is all about when you don't give a rat's toss. And even better with me, I don't give three rat's tosses. Do you know what a rat's toss is? No, I don't even know. I just made it up. What's, yeah. what's question number 10 and then 11? We've, we've done number 10. That was your greatest accomplishment. Number 11 is, was today a waste of time for you or were you happy to come on? Well, happy is a very, very big word <laughs> in, in my vocabulary. Yeah. Celebrated 49 years marriage the other day. Kevin mm-hmm. Sheedy introduced us and and we're happily married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy and Lynn's married. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just the way it was. So happy to come on. Certainly wasn't a waste of time because you know what? Amongst all of the compost that I've dished up today, uh, the people out there, I know someone, even one person will get the message. Mm-hmm. And if I've inspired someone to get off their backside and to do what they want to do and be what they want to be without worrying about what people think that I've done my job. And if I've inspired someone to don't look at the negatives, don't take the easy way out, to go and talk to somebody about your problems and what doubts you've got, that will be it. Was it a waste of time? Absolutely not. Is that it? That's it. See you later. (laughs) See you, Rexy. You're a champ, mate. Yes, Jimmy! All right, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's when our man Nico comes on and tells us what he's pissed off about. It's time for Nick Off. Nick Off. Nick Off. Nick Off. Nick Off. Nico, welcome. What are we speaking about this week? James, I could I could be speaking about the umpires oh. again, but I'm going to hold off again because Thank God the, the holding the ball rule is doing my head in, but I'm going to save it for a week when maybe preliminary final week or grand <laughs> final week when it really costs the team. Oh, I'm gonna be, no. it, it's bound to happen. Don't it's jinx that. So what I'm going to go off about this week. Can I just say, Nick, firstly, it's yeah. it's it's due to your coach as well. That's that's why the rules come in. So you you're not really you shouldn't be complaining. I don't want to, I don't want to get into it. And let's not get into it. Um, no, this is no, a positive. This is positive it, Tuesday. This is a good you're week. Not half correct. Yeah. Okay. Go. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. This week I'm going to go off at footy classified, mainly Caroline Wilson Ooh. and Kane Collins, because last night they said uh, they were having a dig at Carlton. Mm-hmm. And it's Simpson and Murphy for carrying off Bryce Gibbs after his final game okay, in yeah. his footy career. Caro said it was odd. Kane Corn said called Carlton mentally weak because they did it after a loss and they did it to a player that wanted to leave the club. Sure, it was odd, I thought, because we don't see it often. That doesn't mean it was a nice touch, you know. Uh, Bryce Gibbs spent most of his career, 90% of his career at Carlton and all his best days were there. His best mates are there. They wanted to do a good gesture. And I thought, I didn't say anything wrong with it. I, th- I just thought it, it's all, it's so typical of footy classified to be calling out someone, always finding the negatives in something mm. good. So 
It's a footy classified. Caroline Wilson, Kane Corns. You can all nick off. Nick off. Love it. I agree with you, Nick. I agree with you. There was nothing wrong with that. That was part of his bridal party as well. I mean, what are they going to do? They've got to celebrate the man. I mean, yeah, you exactly. lost. That you can. I reckon you have a go at the performance and say, yeah, you, the performance was weak. This, you know, your uh, season was on the line. But after the game, I mean, the yeah. siren's gone. You're trying to celebrate your mate's career. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that either. Good yeah, call. Definitely. And if the shoe was on the other foot, I mean, if my team was doing that, let's say hypothetically, Franklin was firing and Ruffin and Lewis carried him off. I, I'd be all for that. So Carlton supporters, I'm sure, would have been all for that as well. Seeing it. So, yeah, I just thought it was – it's just, yeah, typical of footy classifieds always find a negative headline. Mm, they can all nick off. Like nick off. Yep. Nick off. Beautiful. Beautifully done, Nick. <laughs> You're a legend. Make sure you share this too because people are getting around the segment. I reckon there should be a hashtag, hashtag nick off, and we'll get it, we'll get it trending. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah? I've, right. been, I've been getting a bit uh, chirpy on Twitter as well lately. You have been. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, Hit me up on Twitter. I'll speak to you soon. Have a good one. No worries. Thanks, mate. See you, bud. Nick off. Right, it's time to get to some tweets and emails. Um, a favourite of mine, a favourite of the show as well, Frankie the Pie Fanatic. He emailed in, do you agree that Collingwood will be able to gain more momentum, beat Port and charge the finals, and that finishing outside the four this year isn't as hard as others? Uh, firstly, uh, do you agree that Collingwood will be able to gain more momentum? Yeah, if they beat Port. They'll gain more momentum. I'm just not picking them against Port, to be honest. Um, I think Port need a win to finish top. Um, and, yeah, no, Port. Uh, Collingwood didn't show me enough last night, to be honest. Like, I, I think, and this is this is the worst analogy ever, but I was thinking of it last night. Beating Gold Coast for Collingwood by 22 points is like, it's like eating pasta sauce out of a can. Like, it gets the job done. You feel full, but it's nowhere near as homemade. And in this case, it's nowhere near a win against a top eight side. And they have a chance this week to beat a top eight side. And that's when you, you start believing. I think, you know, hats off to, to the Pies. Fantastic. Yeah, they made finals. They should be congratulated, the staff, for getting them over the line with the injuries they've had. It's impressive. I don't think they're going to do much damage, though. But in saying that, Frankie, I do agree with you that a team outside the top four, I think this is the most likely year that that could happen since 2016. Obviously, we didn't expect the dogs to do it. But... I think with how tight the league is and how tight the competition is, anyone can beat anyone. And if you get some, everyone's got the buy obviously before the final, so you get some momentum. Anything can happen. So I could be proven wrong. I just don't believe in the pies yet, Frankie. I'm sorry. Also, last night, slippery Gabba wasn't a great spectacle, was it? It's a bit dewy down there in Queensland. So I hope the grand final isn't like that, to be honest. But never know. Um, Adam P. Montes he emailed in also. He said Damian Barrett and. Other reports totally taking Clarko out of context with his comments of St. Kilda. He actually said it was good coaching to do that. Quote, yes, he said it will be interesting to see if it will stand up in big games, but that was amongst a raft of praise on how it worked for St. Kilda to win the game. I don't understand the demonization. Love to hear you discuss that. I think he's spot on because I've talked about it before and you're going to take one quote and you're going to turn it and, uh, you know, the narrative now. I mean, everyone wants to hate on Clarko, I guess, um, especially now. The story is Clarko it's because of him that the holding the ball rule has changed. So now making him the, him the enemy is good. It's going to get clicks, isn't it? Um, I think it's it's fair uh, to point out that he was a little bit critical in that way because the, the way he did say it, and I listened to the the, uh, the press conference, was a little bit like, yeah, you can do it against us, can you do it against a big side? But he did praise St. Kilda for winning the game and doing what they had to do. So I, I agree. I, I don't feel 
Um, I didn't really agree. I didn't like the way Clark I said it in press conference, but that's just me. I do understand your point, Adam. Um, hundred percent. You take one quote and you build and you and you bang it up and try and get clicks and you make a new story out of it. I I agree with that. Mitch Deacon tweeted. Is Ben Rutten the right man for the Essendon job? From afar, I'm quite alarmed at the direction of the club, and it appears he has been the unofficial senior coach all season. Do you think they're too concerned about playing like Richmond rather than playing at their own strengths, i.e. speed? Um, Do I think he's the right man? You know what? If you're looking at just this season, you'd say no because uh, it's worrying. And look, I I feel you. I'm listening to Essendon fans complain all the time about how their club's going. And yeah, he has been the the senior coach. I don't think there's any hiding that. I mean, they haven't come out and said that, but he's the one. The game plan is his and it's not looking good. It is Richmond-like. And does it suit the players? I'm not sure. He... And and some have argued, should he be going out and doing the press conferences rather than John? Because he's not, you know, Worsfold is not responsible for the game plan. It's essentially Ben Rutten. Um, so I understand exactly what you're saying. But in, you know, also, Damien Hardwick nearly got the sack as well for Richmond. So it, it's not just a, um, you know, a quick overnight fix. But I know you've had all season and, and everything like that. And the, the real concern was when I watched... Uh, was it? It's in Hawthorne. And after half time, you completely went back to the old way, more direct, more fast footy. You, you put in the bin the stuff that Ben Rutten's trying to implement and you and you came back and won the game. So that's a scary thing. Is it, Are they going backwards? I don't know. You, well, Mitch is, is an Essence supporter and he's someone who's obviously closer to the club or follows the club closer than I do. And I think he's got real concerns over Essendon and I think a lot of Essendon fans do. So um, this inter- interesting point, Mitch, and um, for me, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I, I couldn't say, but looking at it now from this season, no, he's not the right man. Nathan Weller, is it fair? He tweeted in, by the way. I want that sound to come up. Is it fair that Ken Hinckley and Port Adelaide feel slighted by the media about the lack of premiership conversation around power, around the power? Or do they need to prove themselves on the big stage and win a final first? Interesting one, um, Nath, because I do believe that, I don't know what you say, or is it fair, but they haven't been in the finals and they've been uh, historically they've been a club who lets you down after good starts it's a shorter season so they haven't had that fall off yet but they're going to finish top i mean if if they win right if they win on the weekend against against the pies they'll just they'll become the the seventh team in AFL VFL history to hold on to top spot for an entire home and away season yes we know that it's a shorter season but still as you know that's fantastic the, the last side to do that was the bombers in 2000 they won the flag. Before that, West Coast 91, Geelong in 53, Essendon in 23, Collingwood in 15, and then Fitzroy in 1904. It's been a while since the team has done that. Um, I think Porter a genuine threat, you know, and I think that the reason is that people don't take them seriously. I reckon there's a few reasons. One of them might be, obviously, because of the experience, but we know that didn't hinder the Dogs or the Tigers in the drought years. Didn't matter they didn't play finals the year before. Maybe it was the loss... To Geelong, that could have done it. Or maybe it was because they beat Richmond when Richmond had a whole heap of stars out. Maybe it was because they lost to St. Kilda at Adelaide Oval. And then they had an, another unconvincing after the siren win over Carlton. Um, they they beat the, they did beat the Eagles, but that was when, you know, the Eagles were lifeless in the hub. Um, and they lo- they've lost to Brisbane. So there's some reasons there you go, yeah, maybe when they've come up against the big clubs, they don't perform as well. They're not as consistent. I don't know. They're, they're top of the ladder. Uh, they've been ferocious all year. They rank number one in contested ball tackles, tackles inside fifties, clearances inside fifties. All the major indicators that they are a legitimate threat. So I think uh, I think it's 
Eh, is it fair they've been slighted? I, I don't think they even care. Like, why would you care if you've been talked about or not? Just go and do the job. Then people will start talking. Yes, Jimmy! All right, chaos, chaos versus control. That was the uh, the big question. Chaos or control was the question, basically. And it was on uh, Friday night, Geelong and Richmond. And it was built up. It was huge. And the Tigers, they ended up winning 26-point winners. And it's they've now beaten the, uh, the the Cats in five of the last six games between the two clubs. And going into that game, the Tigers were $2.20. Now, for a Richmond fan looking at that, they go, these are juicy odds. Because they've seen their side play this game style and it, for it to stack up in huge games. That, you know, chaos, commotion, high intensity, that sort of game style. It stacks up in finals because it's high pressure. You don't have to be careful and that sort of thing. And that's not to say, you know, the Cats' choice of ball movement isn't great and, and can't win finals, but they have lost each of their opening finals games over the past three consecutive seasons. And that's when, you know, pressure, stakes, the spotlight, that reveals most. Now, their game style didn't stack up against the Tigers on Friday night, and the Tigers played exceptionally well. The intercept marking was fantastic. I know people are going to say, shut up, Jimmy. You go for the Tigers, you're biased. I understand that. I might be a little bit biased, but it was an extremely good win. I think you can crunch the numbers any way you want from Friday night. You can try and shift the focus. You try and interpret trends as much as you want. But Friday night's game spits out three clear conclusions. Chaos beats control. Off-field blunders don't always lead to on-field blemishes. And Richmond is now the flag favorite. I want to talk about the Giants quickly. Um, they just had to win, didn't they? They had to win on Saturday night. But now... I mean, after you drop the club captain, so the first time in 22 years a, a coach has dropped their club captain. Yeah, Stephen Cornelio's form was, wasn't great, but neither was some of the other stars in the team. Now, it's hard to comment from the outside, but looking at it, and in hindsight you can say, yeah, it's a bad decision. If they won, no one would, would be speaking about it. But I think you want your best 22 playing, don't you? When you've got a game like this, your season's on the line. And, and it just proved. I mean, they, what do they have? They had 52 inside 50s on Saturday night against the Demons, and they had 19 shots a goal. They were just, they're just lacking, you know, and the forward structure is bad. You know, Jeremy Cameron, he's had five kicks for the game. Himmelberg's not performing. Finn Layson's not, not performing. Uh, the trio, they've kicked 52 goals for the season between three of them from 14 games. And last year, I know the season was longer, and you can include finals here, but Cameron kicked 76 goals on his own. He's nowhere near that. In terms of averages, either um, you just you, you expect the Giants to do something good, um, but when you when you're constantly, I think you, I know it's easy from the outside to say, but when a group is tested and they go, you, you know, your season's on the line, this is what you got to do: go and beat the Demons. They couldn't do that. They've had chances and chances, but they lost to Adelaide. How many chances do you want? And the, the season's hanging on by a thread. And I don't think it was the right week, in my opinion, to drop their club captain. That was just my take. I wanted to end off with a with a couple of topics that are left to debate. I'm not completely sold on either way, but if the AFL, because at the start I was thinking there's no way. If you've got a season, it's 16-minute quarters. You can't change it for finals. Impossible. Don't do it. That's stupid. But I don't know. I've been listening to Luke Hodge. I'm starting to get swayed the other way. I mean, the AFL come out and said they're not going to do it, but as we know, they've changed bloody everything on the run. They've changed the holding the ball. They've introduced hubs. They've shortened the fixture. They've given Queensland the grand final. They've made amendments to the tribunal guidelines. What else do you want to do? Why don't you just change it back to 20 minutes? I think, uh, you know, there's been a few games. I haven't minded it. I don't mind it because there's been so many games and we've had the footy festival, so shorter games. You can can endure more footy. You can enjoy it a little bit more and you're wanting more. When it's finals, you want the pure footy. 
I've really missed teams working other teams over and the longer games. Now, Luke Hodge makes a good point. You know, this is a huge spectacle, the grand final in Queensland. You're hopefully going to get more viewers um, watching the game and you want to make sure that they get the best product possible. So number one, I would have not put it at nights because I think that the product's not going to be as great because the dewy conditions, I would have had it during the day, but that's fine, whatever. We're going to hope that a lot of people are tuning in at night and they would have been out during the day. So that's the logic there. The second thing, we don't want just, you know, five goals kicked for a game. We we want more scores. We want a longer length. I, I think having longer games is going to make a better spectacle. And his argument is players will get fatigued later in the games and space will open up, which will lead to more scores. We've seen it late in games um, throughout the season when teams are fatigued and that sort of thing. I don't know if that's the, that's the reason why, but I just want longer games. Um, so I wouldn't even mind. I wouldn't mind if the AFL came and said that. They've changed everything else. Why not just do it? Or do you believe it's unfair to the teams who have adapted to the new regulations and then you change it? I don't know. Hashtag the gym session. Let me know. Last one. Last one before I let you go. I know you've had enough. Would you rather, say, say you're North Melbourne, would you rather an insignificant would you rather a win in an insignificant game at the end of the season or would you rather get a high draft pick? It's an interesting one because Corey McKernan, he sent out a text and made me think really. He wrote, is it odd for the first time we have opportunity to get number one draft pick and I'm happy if we lose? Now a Richmond supporter when I was younger and we were bloody near the bottom from my whole childhood. Um, and I still wanted a win at the end of the season. But I don't know if it's changed because you're looking towards the future. I think the draft needs to be changed. Uh, it needs to be fixed up somehow because it's obviously set up in a way it rewards a team for losing after they're no longer in the hunt for a top eight spot in saying that though the fans it's never been more important to build membership build revenue build hope for the future so if you're going out with shocking performances at the end of the season is that really going to build hope for next year or would you say losing and then getting draft picks is building the hope i don't know i'm not sold on it i think the draft needs to be changed up in my opinion guys Thank you so much for listening in. Hashtag the gym session. Get involved in the show. I can't believe I got Rex Hunt. That was fantastic to speak to him. It was a highlight of my life, to be honest, because I was growing up listening to him. Uh, he was my hero, and he has changed the way that footy was broadcast. And I wish we had more commentators like him. And I wish I had more fans, too. So hashtag the gym session. Let me know if you are listening. Um, and, and if you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Give me a rating as well. And if you don't like what I said, hashtag the gym session and let me know. I hope your team wins this weekend if you don't go for Richmond. And until next time, take care of yourselves.